0: Has he been good to you this week? Yes, he has. Been a busy week, I know that. Thank him for every moment of it. Things I've got to see this week. Wow. God is awesome. Anybody got a testimony you want to share before I get started tonight? Something God's done for you this week? Something he's revealed to you this week? Anyone? I'll start you off while you think. Sitting with Buddy at the hospital and with that family this week. Been there a lot this week. A couple of times we thought he was gone and he wouldn't. Man quit breathing for minutes on end. And I remember the joy and also the pain in the family and I remember driving home the other night and just talking to God about it. And I had told them the story of my mother, how I prayed the night before she died. Father, just take her, please. She's, she's, she, don't have any more, she don't have any more energy. She don't have any more to give. And I asked that as an innocent man at the time. And I really was calling upon God so my mom could have some relief and just get on to glory. he answered the prayer and I know the other day that one of those times I was riding home and I'm like Lord I just got a question for you why why is this happening how it's happening why is why haven't you heard their prayers why and the Lord reminded me son you've been preaching for almost two months now about my will And give me a weapon, because he revealed something in me that I didn't think was there, and that was just a just a smidge of bitterness. I think maybe that edge that I had to my voice, and that's what he told me. When you was talking to me, you had this edge a little bit, and you can't have that because I know what I'm doing. That's my testimony for this week because it was good. Because immediately after that, I said, Father, please forgive me. I didn't think that I meant that. But he reveals things in us, to us, and we need to be thankful for it. And he'll get you through it. I promise you that. He will get you through it. That's my testimony. Now, that's not a shouting one now, is it? But it is. It's shouting to me because he showed me something about me that I didn't know was there. I thought I was just asking a, an innocent question, but he was revealing to me, now there's a little something more sitting in you, son. And so that's what my week has been like, and that's how the Lord dealt with me this week. Hey, anybody got anything you want to share? How God has seen you through something. Yes, sir. Amen. Let's praise the Lord for that. I'll tell you this, when we was up there, I don't remember which day it was. Was it Thursday, sweetie? I don't know. The days are kind of running together. Anyhow, we was there, and man, I'm going to tell you, Miss Margaret looks good. And boy, she was just talking, we just had a good visit, and it was, it was wonderful, but that spot where they did that, she said some of the nurses said that was the best one they had seen. It looks good. I mean, you almost, if you didn't know what was going on, you wouldn't know what, what was there. And so she told the testimony of the little doctor that did that to her was in a plane crash, survived it, and he only had nubbins for fingers. And performed surgery. Yeah, that's amazing. God give him the ability to do what he's doing, and I'm telling you, the work that I saw the other day was pretty impressive. And so just all kinds of little things come in this week. Yeah. God puts a desire in your heart, he'll actually make it the way you can get it done and it don't have to be done the conventional way. What a what a testimony that is in and of itself. Any it? somebody you had your hand, Miss D? Amen. 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 Anyone else want to share something? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They've been having to punch on you a lot, ain't they? That was our prayer. And Thank you for that the other night. Mike talked to I've never heard Mike teach before. He did the men's group the other night and did an awesome job. And thank you. That just goes to show what God can do. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. what that might be what's going on at the altar because he's come several times and it's it's comforting to see anybody come to the altar when you got young kids got all kinds of influences going on around them and they're coming and kneeling down and praying that just is not the cool thing to do right oh yeah we join you in that prayer trevor Amen. It, it's it's what we've been doing, giving ourselves and surrender to you He's always been there just waiting, waiting for us to give in. And we are all giving in, and it is so awesome to see his presence and how he's moving and blessing, and the sweet spirit has been in this in this building and in our hearts the past three or four weeks. It's amazing. Amen. Amen. God's good. God's looking up for him. He was in that accident. He's coming along, and God's answering prayers. That's why we meet here on Sunday night, y'all. Prayer. We still believe in it, don't we? Amen. Amen. That's why you're here tonight. Best weapon we have. Well, it's it's the tool. We get to talk to God. We get to hear from God. I pray we're hearing from God. We need to be listening, too, as much as talking. God give you two ears and one mouth. So, thank God for each and every one of you tonight. I'm going to try to speed through this tonight a little bit and get the point across too, but we've been talking about the over, being overcomers and tonight we're going to talk about the slow killing poison of desire. We know that desire is what opens the door for sin. The devil entices us. If we don't have a desire for something, then he can't entice us, right? guy who's not an alcoholic can go to any bar he wants and preach the gospel and minister to people and never be tempted. He'd be okay. The guy that is an alcoholic, he better find another place to go. God can strengthen him to get through it. But whatever the, Lord, the, the devil has enticed us with is things that we've had previous desire with. We saw that uh, in the last couple messages that we've had. But the heart of idolatry is when a believer or or an unbeliever puts aside what God clearly reveals in order to satisfy the cravings or desire contrary to God's ways. That's where idolatry comes in. Who's the biggest idol you'll ever face? Ourselves. And we can make other people idols. We can make things idols. We can make activities idols. But the reason they become that is because we do it. It comes from inside of us. Ephesians 5 and 5 says, For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. I wondered about that for a long time. Don't be with them, but we're going to hash this out a little bit more tonight. Remember I told you this morning, we are a royal priesthood. Every one of us gets the opportunity to minister. That's why the next couple Wednesday nights after this one, we're going to be doing an altar call class or an altar service class, and it ain't just for here, it's going to be for when we're on the job, when we're on the phone, whatever it is that we're dealing with so that we can minister to people. It's not just the preacher's job. It's all of our jobs. And so that's what we're doing with this. But it says, do not be partakers with them. And and we're going to find out exactly what that means, you see, because God gives us the decisions of whether or not we're going to engage in idolatry or not, whether or not we're going to go against his word and turn our back on him. He he gives us the decision to do that. We saw that with Balaam that we looked at last week and this morning. And we also know that when we're in disobedience, the most severe case can be death. And to a believer, we're talking about the soul. We talked about that this morning. In Romans 8 and 13, says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We're to be the overcomers, folks, that, be, that we can put to death What the flesh wants to do. And James 1, 15 and 16 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Understand and know that there's a desire that sits inside of us, and it can be a slow-killing poison. Ezekiel. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures tonight, but I want to lay this out. we will go into a story here in a minute. But Ezekiel uh, 14 says, Ezekiel 14, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Did you hear that question? They've already put the idols in the heart. and Basically, God's saying, should I even be talking to them? Should they be calling upon me? And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper here. In verse 4, he says, Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble in iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. You know what that means? I'm going to tell them what they want to hear. That's simple as that. I'm going to tell them what they want to hear. I'm going to answer them according to their idols. And you see, when we're in in idolatry, if someone comes to a minister and they're seeking direction or or some kind of biblical teaching, some kind of answer that they're trying to get. They will get the answer, but it won't be according to God's will. See, God says, I'm going to talk to them according to the idols that are in their heart. And Ezekiel uh, 14 and 9 says, And if the prophet is induced to speak anything, I, the Lord, have induced the prophet... And I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. You see, if a, if a minister, and that would be you, by the way, believers, if we tell people what they want to hear, you know what we've done? We've joined them in their idolatry. Man, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Didn't mean to. But it's the covetousness that sets in my heart is what would bring that about if I'm not going to tell somebody the truth that they need to hear. And that's exactly uh, what Ezekiel 13 and 14 is talking about. It's bringing that out. You can read that on yourself. It's, it's quite a bit to read, but it's good to see. But You see, if a minister rep- presents an incomplete gospel because he doesn't want to lose followers or fame, in essence, he really has camouflaged and can't see it. You remember we been talking about the deception of sin? He can't see that there's covetousness sitting in his heart himself. That's why that, that, that happens. Jeremiah 6 and 13 says, Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And he's simply just saying, they doctor the truth. Now, folks... We're going to look at some numbers next week, but I'm going to give you a little hint. We have one Bible. And that mine's on my iPad, and I've got several different versions of it, but it's on there. Did you realize that we have 33,000 denominations of Christianity? Pew Research? You think maybe idolatry has got something to do with that? In in less than 2,000 years, what Jesus had to say, what the Apostle Paul had to say, what Peter had to say has been skewered to 33,000 different views or different takes on what the Bible says. And it's all because of idolatry. I want to hear what I want to hear. I'm going to find what I want to hear. Somebody will give it to me, and with 33,000 of them, you should. Burger King don't even have that kind of stuff to pick from. And that is a huge problem in this world today. That's something that the devil has brought about. You see, these guys will give scriptures that seemingly overlook and affirm sinful lifestyles of the seekers, and at the same time, conveniently avoid any scriptures that would co- confront ungodly behavior. and when this happens, the minister and the believer are strengthened in their idol worship, in their desire that they have. You start loving me if I tell you what you want to hear and I'm loving it because you love me and you're loving it because I'm telling you what you want to hear and we just we will avoid some of these things like this message we've been doing here for the last two months, it don't fly well. You're here because you want to know. We want to grow. Amen? Don't we want to get closer to Jesus? Don't we want to have more of the Spirit of God flowing around us and among us and out of us? Yes. That's why we're here searching and seeking and letting him minister to us. In, in 2 Timothy 4 and 3, you all know this, And for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they, having itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will find somebody that will give them what they want to hear. Folks, let me tell you something. Welcome to that time period. We're there now, and it's happening now, and it's, it, it's just it's running crazy. And all that these seekers need to do is find a minister, and I'll put him in quotation marks, who also is living in a state of covetousness. I'll write books, you buy them. I'll get a TV show, you send me some money in. Now, I'm not knocking anybody, but I'm going to call it what it is. There are plenty of churches here, and there are plenty of people that want to do the work of God, but everybody's following that guy. They don't have to face him. When they're sitting in the hospital for a week, and they're waiting for their loved one to die, he's not going to come and sit with them. But how often does he give a message that really gets down to the nitty-gritty with him? I don't know. That's between him and God, but I would steer clear. I would watch and be careful, be very, very careful of that because then it's a form of godliness. These ministers are concerned with their reputation. They're concerned with their appearance. They're concerned with the growth of their local following. They have agendas, and the agendas is other things other than what God wants people to hear. And they can be persuaded to teach just what people want to hear. If they get the right kind of things, that's what they'll go And they won't. They will not go toward giving the truth, whether it's welcomed or not. They read the people. That's a con man. Did you know that? Con men are all over this country. Con men are always calling. I like these trees here. (laughs) I look a lot thinner, don't I, Brother Murphy? Con men figure out what you got going on. Con men have been conning people out of money forever. They get on the Internet. They make the phone calls. We hear about them all the time. Why? Because they are very good at playing people. They are very good at finding out with certain ways they ask questions, certain ways that they observe. They're able to figure out what people are wanting, and then they figure out how to give it. That's what the con men do, and they, ha- they do have an agenda. You see, a God-fearing leader will not deviate from any of the counsel of the Word of God. They stick to Scripture entirely, and they don't select Scriptures. They stick to the Word of God as a whole, and they're not afraid to confront or correct or to encourage. It's okay to do all the above, and that's what a good God-friend leader will do. Now, we're going to talk about a fellow today, and his name is Jehoshaphat. Y'all remember him? If y'all want, y'all can find 2 Chronicles Chronicles chapter 18. That's where we're going to go. See, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he allied himself with a fellow by the name of Ahab who was king of Israel. It was through marriage of their children and all that. Y'all can read it out. But Jehoshaphat, he feared God, but Ahab was an idolater. That's who he was. That's what he did. That that was what he was all about. And so he asked, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat, he said, why don't you guys join up with us and let's go on up to Syria and take some land. Let's go up there and attack and see what we can get done. Now Jehoshaphat, he's, he's like, okay, you know, my men are your men and We're brothers and we're going to go ahead and do this. But he he puts a big bud in there that that just kind of throws a damper on things. And we'll go to verse 4 here. And it says, also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. What he is saying, hey, man, I like the ideal of this. I'm all for it. But let's see what God has to say first let's not do nothing until God speaks we're going to follow him we're going to do what he tells us to do so Ahab, he got about 400 of the most prominent ministers and leaders of the Lord now these guys, where it says in there, it tells about the Lord the word there is Yahweh these guys didn't take this lightly when they wrote the Bible and they're talking about God they were ministers of God and he asked them, said, should we go to war or not? Look at verse 5. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And so they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. Now we're getting on to some ground here that don't sit, sit too well a lot of times. You see, these guys were trained to speak only positive and encouraging messages to the people, to whoever was hearing. And they were ministers, by the way, of God, and we'll put it in today's terms, they were Christians and they led a church maybe, they were pastors, and so they got called in, but what they give the answer for was because of the covetousness that was sitting in their heart, and they were idolaters, so Jehoshaphat, he feared God, his discernment was intact, he said, man, you know what, I know these guys are men of God, but something that just is not right with this, it's 400 people, so in verse 6, Jehoshaphat said, Is there still not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Now this just goes to show how people can pick and choose. In verse 7, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Listen to what he said. But I hate him. I hate him because he never prophesies Good concerning me. I don't want to talk to him. He never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. He is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. It's like, whoa, back off. You're putting down somebody here and you hate him? That's not a good word there. That's what we shouldn't be. And to an idolater or a community of believers who have become accustomed to being flattered all the time, when a real minister of the gospel comes in, they got a hard time dealing with it. When truth comes rolling in, you see, if you know Jesus, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, truth is going to come to your door. And you're either going to give in to it or you're going to run away from it. One or the other, but truth is going to come in because God loves you and he wants the best for you and he will put truth in. And see, Micaiah, he feared the Lord more than any man and the only thing he wanted was to please God. That's why Ahab didn't want to talk to him. He had an inkling inside of himself, something must not be right. So let's go to verse 10. Now Zedekiah, the son of Cheninah, boy, that's a hut. Brother Willie, can you help me with that one? Son of Chanaana. Chanaana. We we know who he is. Y'all reading it. He had made horns of iron for him. and And he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Look at this. And all the prophets... Prophesied, saying, say, go up to Ramath Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. You see, if one guy says it, and then another guy says it, and then another guy says it, what do we call that? Affirmation, don't we? Ain't that what we do? Well, it must be of God. It's affirmation. We've already it's already confirmed to us what the Lord wants. But the only thing that they were confirming was Ahab's covetousness. This is what he wants, and they was happy to give him the answer that he had. And while these ministers are in one accord, we call that one accord, right? And ministering to the kings, the messenger found Micaiah, and let's look at what he had to say in verse 12. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now check this out. This kind of reminds you of something that you might see on TV. I, I don't know, but Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encouraged the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. If you came to get my opinion, why are you telling me what to say? If you came to ask me to inquire of the Lord, why is it you're telling me what I need to find out from the Lord? That's not inquiring at all. That's telling God what to do if you really want that. You see, here's a question for you. Can any of us tamper with the message from the king? Oh, absolutely not. See, if we do, we're no longer ambassadors for God. Speaking for him. We're just mere men using his positive words found in various places in scripture to bring forth what we desire. God help us. Because I fear tonight, brothers and sisters, America's full of it. America's full of it. Micaiah couldn't be bought with flattery. Let's look at what he says in verse 13. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. As the Lord lives, whatever he says, this is what I'm going to say. So they asked him about the same question, and he gives a sarcastic reply. Check this out, verse 14. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against the Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he said, Go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Look at the very next verse. And so the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? He already knew what the answer was, and he knew this guy was just patronizing him. Don't you hate to be patronized? I do. I don't like it. I don't like being patronized. But that's exactly what he was doing. But then he gave him some truth in verse 16. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered in the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And look at what Ahab had to say in verse 17. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. I already told you what he was going to say. He already knew. But then he goes in to him the real thing. This is what Micaiah says. And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up, that he may fall? You hear that? That he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner and another in that manner. And then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. He gave him the truth that he needed to hear, but he didn't want to hear it. He answered him according to the covetousness in his heart. We looked at Balaam this morning, remember her? He wanted to hear what he wanted to hear and he didn't give up praying until God gave him what he wanted but what God gave him was not what he needed and it was a bad place that he went all because he kept inquiring of God against what his will was and here this guy is calling for prophets to come in and wanting them to tell him what he wants to hear and yet there's one guy who's going to give the truth. Can you imagine that? There are 300,000 church buildings in America today. 300,000. How many of them are telling the truth, and how many of them are just playing the scam? The numbers are staggering, folks. How is it that we are where we're at? Why? Because we're always wanting to hear what we want to hear. And in the covetousness of our heart is exactly sometimes what God will give us. And how did He do it? He did it through those who were given the message. Those who were given the message. See, Ahab received what he wanted to receive, but he refused the word that would have led to protection and deliverance. He went to battle. What happened in the battle? He disguised himself so the Syrians wouldn't recognize him. But before the day was over, a stray arrow found him and killed him. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight, and I want you to also be on guard. You can fool man, and you can hide from man, you cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from God. And He knows everything He's ever told you, and He knows what your response was to it. And in His grace, He may have told you again and again and again and again. That's His grace extending down, saying, Okay, get it. I need you to get it. But we can't fool ourselves. So, do we desire to have his protection? Do we desire to have his provision or do we desire to have flattery? It only lasts for a short time. But what he gives us is eternal. He gives us what we need. He gives us everything that we need. And in this day and age, many people who are call themselves Christians, and maybe they are, and they're just. Right now they're in the finding their, their, their way space. They're just searching to hear what they want to hear. And it makes guys, and I'm not trying to put me up on a pedestal. Y'all think y'all know me for seven years. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'll tell you what you need to hear. you get mad with me, then you and the Lord have to settle that up. But brothers and sisters, while we started this was so the church, our church, this local body, each of you in your homes and in your lives can live a powerful life through Christ rather than a beaten down life. That's the whole purpose of these messages See, we got examples in the Bible that God gave us and says, you know what, you can be godly, you can seem godly, it can look right, it can might even feel right, but then you wonder why everything under the sun's happening, you're wondering why this and that's happening, you're wondering why the power of God ain't moving in your life. You wonder all these things and God all the whole time is calling out to us and saying, hey, I'm over here. Somewhere or another you got off track. Somewhere or another you started walking over here and the Holy Ghost will tell you, I don't walk over there. He's the one that talks to us inside of our spirits. Don't do that. I don't go over there. And when you go over there, you get out of his protection. And whenever you say, well, man, I just like hearing that message over there. That's great. I'm glad. But make sure it is the whole counsel of God. Anywhere, anywhere in this book, I hate holding this up sometimes, but anywhere in this book that you think there is a contradiction, God's revealing something inside of you. Stick a peg in it and start digging. And I promise you, he said, I will send the helper and he will teach you all things I don't see it. I don't understand it. Good. That's a good place to be because when you're in that spot, if you really want to know, I promise you, you start praying, you start fasting, you start seeking God, God's going to get the answer to you. And when he gets the answer to you, then you got a choice to make. Amen? When well, you got a choice to make. And when you make the choice, if it's to be disobedient to God, what have I told you before? Well, it's called sin. Well, I'm not at the bar every night. So what? Sin is sin. And when God says no, here's the truth I've gave you. Let it come inside of you. Let it do something in your life. And I want to take you there. Then we got to give in. We got to let him, and he will pursue after us. And so many times, people. I told you this morning. Man, the devil's been all over me today. Has he? Or is it God? We watched that movie The Shack last night, and you remember one aspect of it. I really like this part. You remember the, 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 the lady form of God. I thought that was so neat. His experience with his father was so horrible. God said, I'm going to come in the form of a woman because right now you can't handle a Dad. Why did you bring me back here? Because this is where you got off track. Now, friends, if you got off track, God will take you back to the place where you got off track. And that's the only place you can get back on track. And it has to be dealt with God's way. I got off track. And God's going to say, come on back. I stopped back here, you kept going, you went on without me. You remember the guy went walking on the water after he walked with the Lord in water and then he walked out there and started going up to his knees and he looked back and the Jesus character said, it goes a lot better when we do it together. <laughs> You're just walking off and leaving me and God says, hey, I've been talking to you for days, weeks, months, years. This is where you got off track and we can't move forward till you get back on track. Don't be deceived. Because you desire to hear one thing from God. Be careful where you get your answers from. It's in the Word. And there's somebody who loves you. There's two people. There's three people. There's four people. There's eight people. There's probably 50 people or 30-some people in this room tonight I believe loves you. And we want to take you to the place of truth. I have no other agendas. Jesus called me to this. He called me to this. He's going to take care of me. That's why he promised it. I don't lose sleep over that. He promised me. But he also gave me something to do. You be my mouth. You give my word, my people will get set free, and it's going to be okay. You're going to have some troubles. That's all right. He don't sleep, so I do. Amen. Am I right, Brother Murphy? We hold on to him because you know what? He loves you so much, Brother Randy. He loves you so much. What was that term they used in the movie last night? You're pretty, I'm particularly fond of you. Yeah. <laughs> he is particularly fond of you. And he loves us so much to get us back on track. You might be praying about something tonight. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe some kind of change in you. I don't know. You guys got a baby coming. Oh, was I supposed to say anything? Well, they're going to have a baby. <laughs> hey. Praise God. stuck his foot in his mouth again you're praying that God will see you through this you're depending on him make sure you're hearing from God brothers and sisters make sure you're hearing from God because the devil oh the devil wants to see you floundering like a fish out of water Hold on to him and let him strengthen you. So I ask you tonight, will you pray tonight as we get ready to close? Will you go to the Lord in prayer and say, Father, you give me this message, I'm here tonight, would you please show me any place that I'm about to get off track or that I have gotten off a track, all because of my desires, all because of what I wanted, will you please show me? Friend, I promise you, if you've got an open heart with it, God will show you. He's not particularly caring about your comfort level right now. Wherever you're at in your life, wherever you're at sitting here tonight, he ain't concerned about that. What he's concerned about, though, is your eternal destination. What he's concerned about is how the next days are going to go, that you're going to hold on to him. You see, when you see God working, even if it might be something bad, you know that he's there, you hold on to him, and he'll get you through it. He'll get you through it. So I want you to pray tonight, Lord, search me. Search me and show me somewhere that I might be about to get off track or somewhere that I have gotten off a track and help me and mean it you got to mean it, brothers and sisters. I know last last week we had an awesome, powerful service that God was moving. He wants to move tonight in your life. He wants to reveal himself so powerfully and so strong that maybe you've been dealing with an indecision maybe. I don't know. But you can walk out of here tonight having exactly the marching orders that he gives. And you don't have to call 400 prophets to tell you. You just call him. In the name of Jesus, you just call him. And whenever you use the name of Jesus, it's like the, it's like the air raid siren going off. It gets heaven's attention. And God said, did I hear something? Did I hear my child calling for me? And not only that, you've got the Holy Ghost and he's going to help you to pray. Well, Lord, I just don't know what I'm going to pray about. Well, just hang on to me. I'm going to help you pray about it. I want your will, not my will. I want your will, not my will. That's the hardest thing for us to do is give up our will. Especially when we put little religious trinkets on it and we say, oh, that's got to be of Jesus. Oh, no, we got to have his will. And I want you to come and pray right now. They're going to give us some music. And I want you to pray, every one of you, please, if you can't get up, pray where you're at. But ask God because you're here hearing this message right now because he's wanting to do something in you and for you. And ask him. And listen to what he tells you. And not only just listen to what he tells you. Ask him that if whatever he has, that he might be wanting to strengthen you. Strengthen you to be that mouthpiece for him. Maybe in a son's wife or a daughter's life or a friend or a cousin or mom or dad. Somebody's life. Ask him to strengthen you. Strengthen you that you will be able to boldly proclaim what he has to say. You may be the only one. And it's not about our desires. It's his desire. Oh, but God, I don't want to go over there and talk to Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob's so mean. He's treated me so badly. Oh, he says, oh, but Go. I'll be with you. I'll protect you. Ask him tonight to help you. Ask him tonight to strengthen you. Be like Micaiah. As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what God says. In Jesus' name.